Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. Hello, my friends. This week on the podcast, I have a really wonderful interview with Christy Hausler, who is my podcast producer. She's She runs Team Podcast, which produces this podcast. And you don't want to miss this episode because we discussed why now is still a great time to start a podcast and how, in fact, to get started. Why podcasting is a particularly great medium to reach ideal clients in your niche. How to make sure your podcast is bringing in leads and actually making you money. And interesting ways to use AI and repurpose podcast content. So before I jump into this further, I want to invite you to join my year-long program, The Cosmic Business Lab, to get support this year mastering your marketing and refining your offerings so that you can actually enjoy selling and save tons of time doing it. Joining will also mean being so much clearer in your message so that your podcast actually has a very clear point of view and you know exactly why you're doing it, which will help you so much because you'll know what to focus on and how to make sure your content really converts clients. So this program has all my tools to help you refine your niche, create winning offers, market with ease, know your numbers and create a pathway for your financial success and so much more. You can go to weaveyourbliss.com and click on Cosmic Business Lab in the top bar or go to the link in the show notes. You can also upgrade and join me for the mastermind beginning in March We'll get my eyes on your content and copy one-on-one strategic and astrology support. And all the info is on that same link at the bottom of the page. And you can book a call and we'll chat and see if it feels like a fit. Okay. So Christy Hausler is the CEO and founder of Team Podcast. And she is a passionate leader in podcast production and marketing with a special focus on helping podcasters monetize their content. Her journey in the world of digital media led her to recognize the immense potential of podcasts, prompting her to establish Team Podcast. Under her guidance, the company excels in providing exceptional editing production and strategic marketing services, enabling content creators to not only produce high-end quality podcasts, but also to effectively monetize them. As a true Pisces, Christy enjoys the serene environment of Key West, Florida, where she lives close to the water with her wife of 20 years and their two beloved dogs. Her innovative approach 
and deep understanding of the podcasting landscape have made her a respected figure in the industry. Through her work, Christy empowers podcasters to turn their passion into a profitable venture, all while ensuring their stories reach and resonate with audiences worldwide. I am so excited to present this to you. Without further ado, here is my interview with Christy Hausler. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Paula. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel like this is a long time coming. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while because you've been so integral in really helping me to create, launch, and even pivot this podcast. So thank you so much for all of that. And it's a process. Yeah, <laughs> it's a process always, it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious if we could just start with how did you get into this medium? Like why podcasting? What what excited you about it? Yeah. So when I first started, I first started my first podcast back in 2012. And I had taken a job. And this is crazy when I think back on it now, but I had taken a job that was 85 miles from where I live. And so I had to drive most days. It was about two hours of a drive each way to and from work. So that left me alone with what we call automobile university, right? You know, where you learn everything um, and you listen to audio books and you expand your horizons because there's nothing else for you to do. And you go through, you're listening to, uh, you know, what we would call now terrestrial radio. You're going through, you know, three or four different uh, stations and trying to tune it in <laughs> as you're driving those 85 miles. And um, I started listening to podcasts and I started listening to John Lee Dumas specifically, he was the only one that was actually creating enough content that could sort of keep up a little bit with my super consumer habits because I had four hours a day to burn and I had listened to every audiobook in the library, <laughs> all of that stuff. And I'm a lifelong learner. I'm constantly wanting to learn things. And so podcasting appealed to me. And when he started monetizing and he started sharing his money stuff and he was making like, you know, $30,000 a month. And I thought, gosh, I don't need $30,000 a month. If I had a 10th of that, it would be life changing for me. And it was about the same time that post recession that a lot of local businesses had really started struggling and they were, you know, people were closing up their brick and mortar shops because they just had had all they could take and they were going away. And so I started a local business focused podcast, really just to try to share the stories of those people that were still surviving after the Great Recession, how they were doing it, what they had learned, you know, and, and sort of how they made their business survive. At that point in time, though, I was an employee with other companies. So I, you know, was just sharing as someone who was sort of a local business, small business advocate. Um, but I realized early on the whole, the possibilities that existed with a podcast and how, you know, there's hardly a subject that you can now, hardly a subject you can think of, whether it's a hobby or business or whatever that you can't find a podcast about, you know. So it just excited me that it was such a low barrier to entry. It excited me that you could talk to anybody. You know, you don't have to have a journalism degree. I mean, my first job when I was 14 was in radio at our Christian radio station at our church. And I was just like a part-time announcer or whatever. But I'm like, it, you know, I, you don't have to have any kind of crazy background in order to do this. And it just the fact that it's so distributed and anyone can do it is exciting because those micro niches that have small followings and 
You know, you might be a, a beekeeper in an area of the country where there's not a lot of other beekeepers and you need to get in touch with those people and you need to know what they're experiencing. And, you know, a podcast and a podcast community can help you do that in a way that, you know, a Facebook group sometimes can't. And so um, it was just exciting how we could actually sort of begin making the Internet personal with things like podcasts. Yeah. So leading from there, you would say the state of podcasting right now, it's still a good time to start one. It is. You know, there's always been since podcasting started, there has always been a growing trajectory. And I think, you know, even though let's just say in recent days, we've seen, oh, Spotify's laying off all these people, their podcasting gamble didn't work and, you know, all that. Well, podcasting is not dead by any means. I would say the industrial podcaster, you know, like the Spotify's and those sort of people made a lot of really big, huge money plays with the Joe Rogans and the Harry and Meghan, you know, of the world. And those did always didn't didn't always pay out, pay not pan out for them. You know, they lost a lot of money on some of those deals, but they probably paid too much for them anyway. But for the average podcaster, you know, the the business owner that's out there going, I need more traffic to my stuff. I've created these courses. I've created this community. I've created something over here that's part of my business. And I just need more people to know about it. Podcasting is still going to be a really good option for them because there's still every single year there's increased listenership and there's increased growth. And that's the thing you want to be in a growing market. I heard somewhere too that like, 70% of podcast listeners have like a median income of $90,000 or more. I don't know if that's true, but there's... Yes, yes, it is. It's true. And that's part of the reason it's become such a highly prized demographic for sponsors because they're early tech adopters. You know, they all generally, most people are listening on a smartphone and they're also listening on some some people, you know, shows up to 70% of listeners are on iPhones, and you're not going to get one of those for barely under $1,000. And so there is a certain amount of disposable income that comes along with um, a podcast listener because just because of the medium it's being delivered with. Mm. What other things from a perspective of being a podcaster, I have some ideas, um, but you're also a podcaster, but you also work with people to help them monetize their podcasts. So yeah. So tell me, like, what do you think is unique about podcasting as a channel for somebody who owns a business who maybe is thinking about starting a podcast? Like, what would you say to them to help them understand why that? I mean, aside from what we just said, right, which is so important, it's like the, the people you're talking to actually can buy your stuff. But aside from that, like, what does it do for, from your perspective? You know, I think there are so many instances of where I could say that listening to someone's podcast is sort of like a sample or a window into what it would be like to work with that person. So when people listen to your podcast and they listen to like the business coaching advice that you're giving, it's sort of the best way for them to go, oh my gosh, she's saying everything that applies. Oh my gosh, I went through the same thing when I started. I can't believe she went through it. Now she's pushed through it and she's you know beyond where I am. But they begin to see like sort of like what it would be like to work with you. It's sort of a fly on the wall kind of thing. And there's not a lot of opportunities otherwise to get that. You know, you can only, let's just say, uh, cry into the wilderness of social media (laughs) so much. And, you know, there's a lot of social media that we can't get traction on right now. But the cool thing about podcast is that people come looking 
to get a specific piece of information from a podcast, whether it's a category, you know, they need help marketing with their business or they want to learn about, you know, thyroid dysfunction or whatever it is that they're looking to find out about. They're coming like they're very much a search intent based type traffic, which Social media is very different. Social media is more of a pattern interrupt kind of thing. Like you're going wrong and people are looking at, you know, oh, first day of school for all my friends' kids or, oh, Christmas trees are up and people are seeing Christmas lights. Oh, by the way, don't you want to fix your business with marketing? You know, it just it's it's not where people are in the mood sometimes to pay attention to your serious content or even be willing to be a buyer. But when you talk about going to a podcast app and learning how to start email marketing for my business. You can find that in the podcast apps. And those are people that are like, I need this specific sort of help. So it's a really good way to filter down through all the noise of everything. And you're providing valuable content and putting it out sort of as like if we were going fishing, it would be bait. You're putting it out there saying, here's some value I can provide. Here's some things I can show you. And oh, by the way, if you need more of this, you can pay me and I can give you even more in-depth help. It's a great way for businesses to get the word out. I think also it defies the common wisdom, which is that our you know attention spans are only the size of the goldfishes at seven seconds or whatever. And it's like, actually, people will listen to a 30-minute or an hour-long podcast. And so I, I've always wondered, like, why is that? And, you know, from my own perspective... I can do it while I'm driving, while I'm cooking, while I'm walking the dog. I can listen to a podcast. And so it makes it consumable in a way that I don't have to stare at a screen. I don't have to do a lot of searching. Once I've decided I really like a podcast, I become a pretty regular listener. You know, I probably have like 20 podcasts that I tap into and I don't listen to every episode of every one, but I have them on my feed and I will check out what it is this week and see if it's something that I want to listen to. And then occasionally new podcasts come into my feed, but I am, I have the habit, right? So in my car, yeah. I'm listening to podcasts mostly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's once you sort of, I don't want to say get bitten by the podcast bug where you realize that all those pockets of time that in a lot of ways were non-learning time, non-productive time or whatever, if you listen to the right podcast, like, you know, you can go to the gym and get a workout in and figure out three best marketing practices for your business at the same time and come back and go, oh, let me try. Oh, there was this tool I learned about that is supposed to help you with this, that and the other. Or I'm trying to learn about AI. I'm doing that while I'm at the gym by listening to podcasts. And so I think there's so much that we can learn and share as value. And and that's the other part is, you know, they say with marketing messages, you know, that no like trust factor is so important. And whenever you see and listen to people on your podcast, you immediately know if people rub you the wrong way, or if you're like, oh my God, this person is off the chain. I can I can't listen to this. Or you know, you like you we all get those there's things that bother us. Some people say like people like me, it's like, oh, I have a, a southern accent or whatever. And they're like, oh, I could listen to that soft, sweet southern accent forever, whatever, you know. Or there might be other things like I love listening to British people talk, you know. And so we listen to people and we get to know them and we get to like them. We get to trust them because of what they're doing to bring that value to us. And that is one of the biggest factors. So when I have something that I need to buy, I'm going to go and buy from those people that I already know, like, and trust rather than taking a chance that I'm 
probably giving money to some other jerk over here who isn't providing the same free value in such a nice way. Yeah. I think there's something to be said too about the voice. It's like when we see video, we kind of it's our mirror neurons are firing. I think there's like science to back this up. We're like resonating with someone. And I think the voice is also about resonating. We can hear in the tone of the person. I think that helps to develop a feeling of trust within us just as human beings. And so I think it's the second best potentially to like actually seeing someone and hearing them talk at the same time. It is. And not to be overlooked is the fact that like many of us as women are in particularly male dominated industries. And for you as a female to step forward and put your voice forward as a female expert in a certain area, you can attract those people that have finally been wanting to hear a female perspective on it or finally have said, oh, I've always wanted to work with a woman to help me with this, but I've never been able to find one. And it's not just the male-female thing, it's also marginalized communities and people that, you know, suddenly the mainstream media would never run, a, you know, a piece on them and their business on the six o'clock news. But every single week or day or whatever frequency you want, you can put out content and begin drawing those people. 90% of podcasters are their own avatar. You know what I mean? We work with the people that have been us five years ago or 10 years ago. And so for you to be putting yourself out there, there's other people that will follow you because they're like, that's, she's had the exact path that I'm on. You know, you're just further down the road. So they want to work with you to help them get the same journey that you've had. And so I think it's so amazing that we have this medium with relatively minimal equipment, minimal know-how, and just a little bit of time involved can really make a huge difference for people's businesses or cause or whatever it is they're trying to put out there. I think also it's worth mentioning that like you don't have to have a huge audience to make a big impact with your podcast because like for me, I'll totally be transparent. I get between a thousand and two thousand downloads a month, right? And that's mm -hmm. it's not shabby. Me too, in my niche. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I have people getting on my sales calls all the time telling me they're binging my podcast right now. And so what it is, is it's this like living thing that people can go back, they can hear, you know, things that you've taught on there, things that you people you've interviewed that are really relevant for your audience, they can hear your story, all those things that you share, that, that, that will live on and it becomes like a living place for them to check you out, you know, and that's what we need in in marketing. We need places for people to check us out. <laughs> we do. And, and it's in many ways, as a podcaster, we're sort of documenting our own journey in business. You know, you've done the same thing sort of with your podcast where you sort of, you know, you, you document your own business. I tried this and here's the results I got. Here's what didn't work. Here's what did work. And I think in so many ways, podcasters, there's this misconception out there that the only way to monetize is through sponsorships. And that's like saying the only way to have a career in basketball is to be a professional NBA player. And you're forgetting about all the other team trainers and the assistant coaches and the, you know, the other pieces and parts that go into a career with basketball or whatever. And so very few people that are podcasters will actually get to the point of taking of, of it being worthwhile to take on outside sponsorship. But the more lucrative play is what you said, having that small audience. A thousand, two thousand people a month that are listening to you, that are hearing you speak. I mean, think about it like this. If there was a stadium or a big conference center 
and you had a thousand or 2000 people showing up to hear you speak every week, would it be worth your while to go? Absolutely. It was. I mean, there are preachers all across America that would love for their churches to have a thousand or 2000 people showing up every Sunday, but they many times can't get that. So it's those small audiences that you are serving and you're actually able to serve them in a lot of ways at a very micro level and a very niche level that many of the other uh, bigger mediums where they would get information aren't going to touch it. And you might actually give them some tactical things that they can use. And so it doesn't take, uh, that's a very important thing. Small audiences. I mean, if you have a hundred people in a room, would it be worthwhile to make a pitch to them? Sure. Because maybe, you know, even at a 2% close rate, two people people, would buy. Yeah, exactly. So think about that. I mean, it's, it's worthwhile at any download level or or audience size level, let's say. Yeah. So what are some other misconceptions? conceptions people have about starting a podcast, like that they have to have a whole team and like, what are the, what are the other things you hear a lot? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. There is, there is the misconception about that. One of the biggest ones I see is there is the misconception of sort of, let's just call it the guest interview. And I've seen this when we started as podcasters, we had a lot of, let's just call it legitimacy to try to prove. And so you would see podcasts back in 2012 and 2013, we'd be paying for these fancy schmancy intros that were like overproduced and had all these sound effects and this crazy used car kind of voice person, you know, saying, and here's Christy, you know, like it was trying to be legitimate. And then we would also feel like we needed to have on extra guests that would be experts in what we were talking about, because we couldn't just go onto our platform and teach what we knew, because who would show up to listen to that, right? So I watched people that were legitimately experts in their own niche spend a year and a half, two years or whatever. And all they did is guest interviews. And at the end of the time they did all this, they got to the end of a couple of years and they were like, I have not made much money at all from my podcast, but these guests that I've had on are coming back to me saying, oh, I'd love to come on your show again. We had great results last time we were on there. And they realized that all of their audience They were, instead of pointing them to things that they could help them with, they were not mentioning that, but they were giving over their whole platform to a guest, which is fine. I mean, I I have a philosophy that there's two reasons to bring on a guest. And the first is if it's somebody that's been through your program, this is obviously talking about a business or, you know, a, a legitimate, you know, business type podcast. But if you have someone that's been through your business coaching or been through your services and your courses or your programs, and they've seen a transformation and you bring them on to talk about that and what they went through. That's like a testimonial on completely on the down low. You know what I mean? No one's getting paid for it, but it's like, hey, this is what happened to me. This is how I overcame it. And here's what tools I use that work. At the same time, you can also use a podcast to target specifically people in your network that you want to become close to. So there are those people that we couldn't just call them up and be like, hey, so-and-so, I know you're the owner of this certain conference. I'd like to uh, connect with you. And can we share emails or do whatever, have coffee or whatever? Like you wouldn't have a reason legitimately that would benefit them to connect with them. But when you have a podcast, if it's someone you want to interview because you want them in your network or you want them maybe as a potentially a joint venture partner or something else, it's very important to establish those relationships and having that podcast in your back pocket to say, I have a podcast and I have an audience that 
is looking for this type of content, I believe you could add some value there. Can I come and introduce you to my audience and let you be a guest on my podcast? And many times those people are completely honored and they'll come and now you have a you have another ally in your network. I had a, a client one time that her niche was trade shows and they did all these big exhibits at trade shows. And I'm talking about like really high end stuff. And all she would do, she didn't care how many downloads her podcast got, but all she would do is if she knew a specific company was having an RFP, which is a request for proposal for their next trade show come up, she would go and invite them to come on her podcast, the person that she knew was responsible for that RFP. And then very soon after their podcast interview, here she would follow up with her RFP, you know, response. And she landed over a million and a half dollars of exhibit business just because she followed that method. And that was her only take on her podcast, which is kind of an unusual one, but that's such a small niche anyway. But just think of, you know, in a year and a half, she did it now. Don't get me wrong. Uh, COVID killed <laughs> killed that business in a lot of ways because there were no trade shows going on and people weren't gathering. But it just shows you how it can be used in a lot of different ways to really get traction in your business in other ways that you wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, I would add to that, too. You know, for me, I really am developing a body of work and I bring people on that are going to help my audience like you understand something critical and what I would say to those listening who are my clients, you know, or who who are in my world, you definitely want to make sure you're giving your take and letting people see you and your expertise when you're talking with somebody that gives you an, a chance for them to be a fly on the wall and hear like two industry experts or people who are in the same field discussing something important that's part of your body of work, your point of view. And so as you develop that and you show your expertise, then that means that the people who are listening are experiencing you and your expertise and the person that you've brought on. And then of course, we can talk about like some best practices. So like you are like the one who but told me so important. about yeah. selling yeah, well, and the mid-roll and, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, was, I will say this though. One of the things that I think we as women, and I hate to generalize, but Many times I see very often in my female podcasters, they've gone out on that sort of out on a limb and created a podcast. But beyond that, they're afraid to come off as too salesy if they talk about themselves too much, or they might not just have the confidence. And so, so many times I find myself in a situation where I'm actually giving them permission to claim their space and to claim their platform. And you don't have to have, if you have a 30-minute interview, you don't have to have a 30-minute podcast. You could take 15 of the best minutes of that interview and that be the interview. And then you talk before and you talk after and you still facilitate all the learning and all of the expertise there rather than just giving your whole entire platform over to a guest while you sit there and fangirl. You know what I mean? Because that doesn't help you in any way, shape or form other than building a relationship with that yeah. person that's a guest. It's so, so important. That confidence, yeah, is so important for us. And taking up space, you know, and really defining the terms and creating the boundaries. That's like part of being a business owner. And this is a great way to like where the rubber hits the road test. It is. And I, I've had for some of my coaching clients, I've had to draw it out on a continuum, almost like 
okay, this is your, you know, like, let's just say you're doing an hour long or whatever your podcast is. And I would look at their existing show and like 30 seconds in the beginning is their intro and then boom, the guest is on. And then 30 seconds after the guest goes off, boom, there's the outro and it's over with. And I have to physically draw out on that continuum, like this first 10 minutes, make that your space. This is your space for some sort of lesson or thing you want to learn. Then to set up the guest interview. And then once the guest interview is over, it's okay to take a little more space and talk about the actual practical takeaways or the ramifications of the content they just heard and still claim your space. But so many people, when they start out, they're new and they're nervous and they're not as confident as, you know, those of us have been doing this 10 or more years now. And they need to be given permission to take your space. It's your platform. You don't have to view interview every guest that wants to be on your show. In fact, most often you probably shouldn't interview everyone that wants to be on your show because many of them are just doing a PR tour and they're like, yep, we're going to try to get on it. And, you know, 30 shows, podcast shows this month. And that guest that's doing the podcast tour is not going to turn around and, and promote your podcast to their audiences because they can't promote a different guest appearance every single day when all they're doing is talking about their book on 30 different podcasts. You know what I mean? So we realistically have to think about this as your resource and what ways can you put it to use to leverage ROI for your business? Absolutely. So aside, you know, that was a great tip, you know, just kind of understanding conceptually, like how we're using the podcast. What other tips would you have for somebody who's starting out? Like, If they're feeling overwhelmed and they're like, I don't even know where to start, what would you tell them? Yeah, well, I mean, I think sticking with what is in your wheelhouse, which most people that are starting a podcast, I would say creating the content and even knowing within your niche what guests to target and potentially even what topics to target is squarely within your wheelhouse. There might be all of that technical back end that you don't really know about. And by the time you sit down and try to take courses that are, you know, 12 modules long and each module is an hour, like you've just wasted so much time for something that you may or may not understand in the end, whenever honestly, you could hire someone like me or there's other companies like mine that can just do that for you. And, you know, I think by now we've, gosh, we've launched close to a thousand shows over the last 10 years. And so We're up to date on what the changes are. And some people are like, well, just try to go with the free tools and just use Anchor because it'll put you on Spotify. But a lot of people don't realize that Spotify doesn't get you on Apple. And if you're not on Apple, then every podcast app that's in the app stores pull from the directory from Apple. So if you can't get on Apple, you really don't have a podcast at all. You're just sitting there on Spotify. And unless your target audience is millennials or Gen Xers, then you're probably going to miss out on a significant part of your audience. So there's so many technical things that you can get hung up on. And that's what we find is the biggest delay. Like if people come to us with a solid podcast idea, and they they're ready to record their content, literally within four to six weeks, their podcast could be live, you know, and they could begin bringing in, you know, leads and, and selling things with their podcast. But many times I see people that like they started this journey two years ago or three years ago, and they've just every single time they've turned around, there's a technical hurdle. And sometimes the technical hurdle is just getting your dang microphone to work or just figuring out how do I record somebody else? Do I get them to call on my phone? And how do I record both? You know, you don't know what you don't know. It's something new for you. So just get a consultation with somebody that knows it doesn't. I mean, there are, there are tons of us out there. Our company started long enough ago, and it was sort of one of the first ones that 
did what we call all-inclusive podcast uh, services where it's like, it's just, you know, based on what you're doing with your episode, it's one price and it's much more affordable and actually saves you money than you have to. I mean, if you look at your billable hour rate or what you can make per hour, if you're working on revenue generating things for your business, it's actually a great deal and it gets you there faster which is going to actually begin your ROI on the investment faster. And so it consults somebody that knows what they're doing. I would also say I would never encourage any podcaster to sign up for anyone who wants to do work for you where they're paid on an hourly basis. That's just my preference. I don't think there's any incentive for anyone to be efficient. The only thing you're doing is sort of giving them a blank check. And whenever you're starting out as a podcast and you need more traffic to your stuff, you don't have a ton of reserves many time in the bank to sit there and just blow. I mean, if you're going to blow money, you don't want to blow it on somebody riding the clock on your blank check too. I mean, I've had clients before that are like, yeah, I have a friend that produces music. And so they were going to edit my podcast. And now they have a studio quality podcast that cost them 18 hours of uh, time, build it, you know, $75 an hour. And it's like, that's not, sustainable and it's not even necessary. You know, there's that law of diminishing returns and there's only a certain amount you want to pay for production to get you as a, you know, get get it out there so you can get some ROI on it. Yeah. So. So I think like having a smart strategy for who you're investing in and getting advice from is great. Um, I've been working with you all for three years now. And so in the beginning, like this, this was one of my first experiences with delegating, you know? And so I think like it can be really helpful to learn how to delegate because you cannot do all of the things. So if you're in an earlier stage of your work where you're still doing a lot of things, your first experience with delegating is going to be a VA or somebody to help you with some specific task in your business, maybe graphics, maybe your website, maybe a podcast. If you feel like this is a strategy that's calling out to you, think about like maybe this is the first stage of my of me delegating some uh, to get some support. It's true and I will also say many times it's much more difficult for someone that tends to be a perfectionist to delegate because you know you want things done perfectly but what you have to realize is um, you know what do they say done is perfect is the enemy of good or something like that where it's basically like you're hurting yourself by holding on to perfectionism or thinking that only you can do it the way you would want to do it or only you can determine what content really should go out. And for those of us who deal in the content realm, we're pretty at ease with being able to make you sound better than you would sound if you tried to learn it on your own. If there's a few hiccups that go along, you know, if there's an um that you say that goes out on the air, like no one's going to think badly of you. They're just going to be like, ah, Paul is a real person. She had to stop and think and had to go, hmm, I don't know about that, you know? It's okay. I've had people before want to do all kind of crazy things like I need to take out every breath. Well, we don't speak that way. And if you do that, it, people listening feel like their hair's blowing back because everything is just right on top of them. There's no time to think. There's nothing to breathe. There's no spaces. And it's just, it's not a good podcast listening experience. So I think if you feel like perfectionism derails you very often, you might be one of the ones that want to ease into getting some help and working through the delegation process and figuring out like these are things where I'm holding my boundary on and these other things over here aren't really going to matter all that much in the big scheme of things. Let's talk about monetizing and like what are some of the things that people don't think about? Like I always say you sell at the top 
let them know what it is that you have to on offer at the top because not everybody stays through the whole thing. So you don't want to sell at the bottom at the end, right? So what are some other tips that you have around that? Yeah. So some other tips are like, there is no time. Like if I hear a lot of people come to me and they'll say, well, I just want to get this started. And then if it really takes off, I'll look at how I'm going to monetize it. And that's completely backwards. It's kind of like saying, yeah, I want to start this business and I don't really want to have a business plan. But if I start getting a lot of customers, then I'm going to figure out how to really maximize it. You know, it's like it doesn't really work that way. So have a plan in the beginning. Doesn't matter how small you start out with. You always want to be talking about an offer. And if you don't have a lot of things, you know, courses or programs or other things, offer something valuable for free where people can at least opt in for that and get it. And then now you have their email and you can begin doing your email marketing with them. The one thing I would say is in the format of a podcast, you, you hear the stats that it takes seven in interactions with a sales message for people to actually take action on it. And I think in a lot of ways with podcasting, it might be a little bit more because of the multitasking effect. You know, I, I always tell my clients that when you feel like you've made an offer or you've mentioned it too many times, many of your listeners have just heard you for the first time, you know, and so they mention it one time and they think, oh, I said it, you know, now I've got to move on and not, not say it again because people heard it, you know. But they actually didn't because that was the point at the gym that they're they change the weights on something and they're moving around. They're doing all this other stuff. And the minute their kid got up to them in line for pickup and they're like, hey, how you doing? How was your day? Blah, blah. And then they don't get back to it for five minutes later. So I think having multiple touch points within an episode, I always say, you know, you can tease it at the beginning and give people an idea of what you're what you've got to offer special for them as an offer. Use a mid-roll, which is just a break in the middle of your content to put that mid-roll where it just gives them the details and don't necessarily focus so much on the product and what the product is because that's, you know, that's your baby, that's your product. But talk about the transformation and what that product will do for them, the transformation they can get from using that product. And then at the very end, before you sign off, go back and do another touch point and just a reminder and, hey, don't forget that we're offering this right now. And here's where you go to do that. Because maybe they've been listening to the whole time, but now they've just finally got to a point where they can document that URL or they can actually go and click on it on the podcast app or something like that. So keep putting at least as you know, at least three messages in to your podcast and give them something to take the next steps with you on, whether it's something for free or something for sale. From the very first episode, you know, don't, there's no magic monetization fairy that's going to tap you on the shoulder after 15 episodes and right. go, now's the time to monetize, yeah, you know, I, they're not going to do it. I literally <laughs> had someone last week come up to me and say, I'm at the beginning of your podcast, starting from podcast one, and I'm listening through them. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting experience. <laughs> but, you know, like, don't, don't. No, but seriously, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And, well, and what I was selling was different. But still, if you have... If you already have a proven offer, start from day one selling it because people will go back and listen from the beginning. They will. It's just, it's like a book. And now, (laughs) yes. And now the cool thing is there are dynamic insertion tools so that even if you have like, you now have a huge archive three years into your podcast of doing it weekly, that 
now with dynamic insertion tools, if you have a launch of something and you have something that's going on, for example, I think you just had a big Black Friday thing, your whole entire catalog can be peppered with those ads using dynamic ad insertion. So it doesn't matter if someone's listening to episode 10 when your business model was different or your new program hadn't come out yet and there was something else that can all be replaced with the new most current thing that you're doing. And it's very affordable within our hosting companies to get that those sort of tools leveraged. So cool. it's it's kind of a cool thing. I love that. What other suggestions do you have to make sure that we're getting leads? Like when we have a podcast that we're, you know, driving people to sign up for our email list or, you know, that we're kind of capturing them and we know who they are. And- yeah. Um, obviously, sometimes we create free lead magnets that aren't really exciting and they aren't really don't really have a high perceived value. And so there are times when I talk to people and they have multiple, maybe they've got courses or they've got some old stuff. Let's just say it's sort of on the shelf. You know, it's there, it's in their shop tab on their website or something like that. Many times you can get a little further with people giving you their leads, their email. If you actually take something like that, that might be, you know, maybe it's a $27 value or a $49 or a $97 value, and you just go ahead and give it to them for free just to get them in the door. Now, I would also say, don't do that until you have a really good email nurture sequence to get them from, you just got my free thing on special that I'm giving away right now to let me show you how to get the thing that really is going to help you and make the most difference for you. But if you'll do something like that, give them away something for free. You can also create other touch points within your podcast. So in other words, um, you might have listened to podcasts before that people will say, you know, go to my website and uh, leave me a question or a comment there. There'll be a microphone that's on this, you know, that kind of goes up and down the sidebar of the thing. And you just hit that microphone and they just talk right through their computer or their phone or whatever. And they can ask you a question. Well, most of the time, those programs, that software that does that will actually capture their information. They'll capture their phone number. It'll capture their emails and that sort of thing in order for them to leave you those comments. So it's another way for you to be in touch with them. And now since they've been in touch with you and you can be in touch with them, and then you might be able to go back and say, hey, I got your question. Is it okay with you if I use it on a podcast? And they'll be like, oh my gosh, you're going to use my, you're going to use my question on your podcast. Absolutely. And then they want to listen to the podcast and hear their voice on there asking you that question and having you answer it. There's some other ways that you can have I had a client one time that built their entire email list and it was literally a list that got to like 12,000 people on their email list simply by offering almost like a guide. It had transcripts included in it, but it was like a guide for each episode. And so based on that episode, they could just go to the website and download that for free. Well, within the first year of doing that podcast, it was a very in-depth podcast and very deep. And so had a lot of tedious details that you wouldn't get if you didn't get the full transcript. And they were most of the time over an hour long. But he built his email list of 12,000 people in a year, which I mean, think about getting a thousand leads a month just from your podcast, downloading something for free. He could have just put that on his website and said, go, you know, go download a transcript or go download the guide. And he he called it a guide, um, the the this episode guide or whatever it was, and it made it just so much simpler to consume the content. Now with AI tools, those those are very easily created. 
So if you have specific tactical things that you're talking about on your podcast, creating a guide for each one and allowing people to download them for free um, will also be a way to get that just that lead generation uh, wheel turning because people will begin to come and then, and then you'll begin to see what are your most popular topics based on what are people coming to download? What are they wanting more of? Are people downloading multiple ones? Did they download the email marketing and the other topic, you know, whatever did they, are they downloading multiples? And you'll begin to see those themes with, you know, how you tag things when you set up your email service. So I think it's really important to just create touch points, even if it's a contest or some people that are, have heavy Instagram presences, they'll say, you know, I'll give you this or that if you'll just go to Instagram and send me a DM. And then they have it set up. So as soon as the DM gets sent on Instagram, they get access to that thing. But now that person knows who you are and they can begin to go back and market to you through Instagram and, and that sort of thing. And it's not the kind of thing that you're like, oh, I don't want to give my information and be marketed to, but you'll get valuable stuff. They'll give away the good stuff free to those people that are already on their list. And so anything that you can do to create the conversation coming from the listener back to you. Sometimes it's a hashtag contest, you know, that people will use on social media. For example, you have a lot, well, today is what winter solstice, and you might have a lot of people that are, whether it's a, a certain phase of the moon or a certain eclipse or something like that, you could run a contest on your social media where people do a certain hashtag and post a photo of them watching the eclipse or, you know, doing whatever it is that needs to be done, you know, whether it's a day of rest and a day of, you know, whatever they're supposed to be doing for that, then you could create that. And then all you have to do, you could, you could offer a prize, you could give your, you know, uh, a course or something away for free. And then you could just go back and search those platforms for that custom hashtag that you've given out. And that's all people have to do. And then people get in the habit of doing that. And so it begins, it gets you more traction on some of those social platforms, but it's a way for you to get in touch with more of your people where they're already consuming some content. So there's a lot of out of the box things that you can do to get people. The, the biggest thing is just to get people to start coming back to you and you have to be intentional. You can't just say, well, if you have any questions, just visit our website <laughs> or feel free to email us if you have any questions at our website. Give them a specific thing. I'm going to be doing this to celebrate winter solstice. I want to see what pictures you're doing. And here's my hashtag, you know, cosmic business, you know, solstice or whatever it is. And that's the hashtag everyone uses. And then you can see uh, what all the postings are out there. So it's kind of it's kind of a cool thing to just try to get as much buzz as you can from people that are listening and get yeah. them involved. Because the more you do that, the more they're bonded to you and the more they feel like you're, you know, you're their peeps. Yeah, totally. You mentioned AI in there. And one reason I love podcasting is because it's so human. And as we move further into AI, we're going to be longing for these touch points that feel like, I mean, sure, I'm sure there's AI out there that can recreate a human voice and make a whole podcast. But it just is, I think it will lack some level of humanity that we can sense when it's an actual human talking. And so I think this is, this is a really unique place where that won't change anytime very soon. But I will ask you like how, just maybe for your hot take on AI tools to help you with getting started with your podcast. Have you used ChatGPT to like hone in on a niche and stuff like that? Absolutely. The biggest thing, and, and I'm just going to kind of share a little bit of my over my overarching 
sort of strategy when it comes to podcasters. And most of the time when podcasters come to me, it's because they are starting to put out content. So they're coming, creating brand new, free, original content every single week that they're putting out into a free podcast, right? And as they grow in that podcast and they begin to create other things, one of the things we want them to create is some sort of a recurring membership or community or something like that. So people are paying them a small amount every month to have access to some of the stuff they don't get in the free podcast. And so once they do that, the idea that I like to have is that you then begin shifting your content creation to your paid community. So you're creating things for the people that are paying you money and that you're best customers. And then you're just breaking off parts and pieces of that many times to go out into your free podcast feed. That feels a lot more in alignment value-wise with a lot of podcasters because you don't want this albatross around your neck of got to have four new hour-long interviews this month you know, for my podcast. And that's four hours of my time that I'm not serving my paid community and I can't serve them as well because of this, that, and the other. And so um, I think just really even from a, a podcasting perspective, some of that content that you are producing, whether it's you're creating one thing within your coaching community that can then be repurposed using AI tools and recut and put out into your TikTok, put out into your IG Reels, put out into whatever, like getting the most that you can and the most leverage out of that within that one piece of content you're creating. And if it's especially if it's not a free original piece of content that you're having to create every week, you can get a whole lot further. But I mean, you get to a point where you reach maximum content creation as a creator and a business owner. You can only have so much time that you can spend doing that. So AI tools, if people started using ChatGPT when it first came out, like it was like a year ago, November, it was only pulling the data from like September of 2021. So it's still like more than a year behind. And then as this whole year has gone on, we're now two years behind. So it doesn't know certain things. But now that has all changed. And ChatGPT is pretty much up to date with the current time. So you could say to ChatGPT, if my niche was beekeeping, I could go to ChatGPT and say, ChatGPT, I have a podcast about beekeeping And I want to know, we're heading into winter, what are the most searched for topics on the internet about beekeeping in the winter? And you might find that the number one thing is how to keep your bees from freezing in the winter. Okay, I know nothing about beekeeping. This might be completely like, I don't know, you might do something else with your bees rather than leave them outside during the winter. I have no idea. But you'll find out what those topics are. And Paula, when we can take our content and know that there's already a traffic stream out there. We're not creating new traffic by putting a podcast out. All we're doing is jumping in front of as much of that traffic as possible. For all the people that ever told you in your life, don't play in the street with traffic. Yes, go play in the traffic. Get as much of it coming to your stuff as possible. Then you have a higher chance of success because you're jumping in front of those people. So taking that the AI tools and using it to figure out what is most searched. If you're, you're doing a, a content and you have a topic that gets 10,000 searches on Google a month versus one that gets 1,000 searches on Google a month, you're playing the odds if you go with the one that gets the most search traffic. You can use those tools in that way. You can even use those, those tools once you've created your human content, 
you can take that content and then and make it let the AI transcribe it and then take that and other AI tools will then create a nice outline or an ebook for it or a course. There's even, you know, Corso is one that will take a, you know, it, it'll make a video course out of the content that you just gave it. And many people like when you've got an hour long podcast, like that's a lot of heavy content that you're putting out there. And it should be, I'm saying exploited in the right way, maybe leveraged is a better word. It should be leveraged in as many places as possible using all of these AI tools, but coming up for content and outlines and topics and what people are looking for. If you're not using the chat GPT type tools and the AI tools, you're wasting a lot of your manual time that you don't need to. Right. Hot take. So just on that note, because you gave me your astrology, I think it's valuable to talk about the fact that you're highly innovative and like your chart is all about like massive transformation. You've got Saturn, Moon, Venus and Rahu all in the first house. So what does that mean? Saturn is the is about like skills and steadiness and technology, you know, like kind of doing the things that require discipline and learning and really, you know, cutting your teeth on things. The moon is about nurturing. It's about creativity. And then Rahu is the innovator and you're in the period of Rahu. So really like creating something that we've never seen before. You know, you were on the cutting edge of podcasting and then Venus being there, Venus and Saturn in the same house is like massive transformation. Like, especially in the first house, you're facilitating that you're kind of 10 steps ahead, helping people see what's possible. And your ruling planet, Jupiter is in the seventh, which is the house of entrepreneurships. You have all these planets like on this. Really? That is so funny. Seven axis, you know, so it's. Wow. Yeah. So like I'm very, the what you know about me or what I am is very much in line with what all of those things say that I, I am or will be. Yeah. So that innovation, creativity in a system, in a, in like a structure. But then also having the moon and Jupiter opposite means that you're a networker. So this podcasting is like, it's like a tool you're using to actually connect. So amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I'm, I'm, you know, so fascinated by what you do. And there's um, my wife tends to be the one that gets does works mostly with your show. She's part of our, our business as well. And she'll always and she every email you put out, she reads and she's like, okay, now this coming Thursday, we need to make sure we're this, that or the other. And so she keeps us kind of, you know, on your, oh, your path that you lay out. But I'm so novice when it comes to understanding this, because, you know, being from a, you know, conservative Christian background, you know, this was all sort of, you know, you can't do anything we don't understand right. or can't <laughs> embrace anything, you know, that's, you know, out there. And so I'm just so open to all of it because every bit of it I've even looked at is like so in line with like, oh my gosh, yes, that's me. And so, mm. you know, it, there's, there's, it, it's so old. I mean, it's as old, older than the Bible, right? right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's not like this is new, something new. So I think it's so amazing what you're doing and yeah. helping businesses get all everything in alignment. And then we end up as entrepreneurs being happier with what we're doing and the results we're getting and right. what we're able to, like the change and the, the things that we're able to do in the world yeah. are amazing whenever you get yeah, like, that is, alignment down. Isn't it helpful to know that you're meant to innovate? Like the, that you know that, that yes, like you yes, are on the cutting yeah. edge and that the things that you're going to do, maybe people don't quite understand. And so it's okay to be a, a, like above, like on the cutting edge of that and just staying grounded with like one foot in 
the, you know, the discipline and the systems and the structures and the business planning and the financial piece. If you have one foot in that and you're like sprinting into the innovation, then that, you know, that's where you're supposed to be. Win, win, win. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's such so validating to hear because that's kind of what I feel like about myself. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm having to drag everyone else along, mm. you know, and even with the, the tech tools, I'm always with my wife and Allison. She keeps everything like on it written down. She's one of those that wants to write everything down and put it in a book. And, you know, even this morning we were going somewhere and she was going to go to the grocery store and she'd made her list. And then we got halfway there and she said, I, I left my list at home. Uh-huh. And I said, that's why I do things on the phone. <laughs> so I'm never going to leave the list at home. So I had to come all the way back and go all the way back out again. But it's just, um, I do feel like that innovation thing is something that never gets old within, you know, within me. And I'm always wanting to see what else is out there. And even if I don't have time to go all in on it, I want to know about it, you know, because I don't want to be the last one to a conversation about something important. Right. Yeah. And that everyone who comes into contact with you, like you are a catalyst for their transformation, you know? And so like just embracing that is is helpful. Like, you know, it is. some people yeah, may be uncomfortable. It gives, you, and- it gives you confidence to be like, this is just I'm leaning into my natural, my natural tendencies, you know, with that kind of thing. So totally. that's amazing. So can I ask you a couple rapid fires here as we wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. So what's one piece of advice that's really helped you in your life? Oh, well, I will say um, I come from a place of having a lot of money blocks. And there was a time when I had some sort of business mentor, and this might be helpful for other people that have money blocks, because I think we all have, we have them at different stages. It's, um, you just need to add some zeros to everything that you're doing. So like, if I'm willing to pay $100 for something, that I need to just add another zero and be willing to pay a thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Just getting yourself used to expanding your mind. You know, if you're used to paying, you know, uh, you know, eight hundred dollars for something, you know, what would it be like if you added a zero to it and just just begin adding zeros? And the more I do that, it not only expands my capacity to have a different energy with money, it makes it seem more abundant than scarce. It's helped me get to different levels in my business, just adding another zero. And that means receiving, being willing to receive. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. With another zero. Yeah, I love that because I take all the zeros, right? (laughs) Yeah, because I went from, you know, trying to make steady $3,000 months to 30,000. So I totally understand that. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the exact same thing. And then you have to get to that place mentally to be honest, Paula, where, where you feel like what you're doing is worth mm-hmm. that and you are worthy of, you know, having that sort of success as a female business owner, you know, entrepreneur. And um, that's that adding that zero is sort of that tactical reminder of like, you know what, mm-hmm. just add another zero and don't worry about it. Um, so my next question is, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what part is non-negotiable for you? I am not an early riser. I tend to be a late night person. So you could probably email me at two o'clock in the morning and I might get it. So I'm not an early riser, but when I get up, the um, one of the very first things I do is I have Athletic Greens, as not a sponsor of the show or anything, but I have my green juice thing that I do every single morning. That's non-negotiable and all of my vitamins. 
And when I'm home, which we have been for the last few months at my in-laws house, helping them deal with some health issues and things. One of the things I like to do before I even shower is go ahead and try to get some sort of exercise in, even if it's just yard work needs to be on tap for the day, but get it done, get it out of the way. Then I can shower and clean up and not worry about the rest of the day. So uh, I would say at this point, the non-negotiable is my um, supplements and my um, athletic greens, my green juice (laughs) on that so far. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So what are you reading right now or what's one of your favorite books that you would suggest to the audience? So there's two books right now that I'm reading and both of them are um, amazing in completely different ways. One of them is called Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. Even if you're not big into marketing, it's very interesting because it shows you how easily the media is able to be manipulated and how a lot of the controversy that comes up um, that gets rises to the top in media is all completely manufactured. And then there, but then through that, there's also some takeaways that have been where you can now take that to leverage for your own, you know, getting buzz and getting traction to some of your things that you're wanting to put out there in the world. So that's an amazing book. And then um, the one, the other one that I'm reading right now is $100 million offers by Alex Hormozzi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his latest book, um, $100 million um, I'm sorry, $100 million leads Leads, is the second book. Yeah, Offers was the first book that he came out with like a year and a half ago. And then he just came out in like this fall with $100 million leads. And in that, if you did nothing but had those two books as sort of your Bibles for business offers and lead generation, you would still miles ahead of a lot of other people that don't have any marketing background. Mm -hmm. So they're um, tactical and just value packed. So whenever you read $100 million Mm -hmm. offers or $100 million leads, you definitely have to take notes and begin implementing uh, in your business immediately. Right. Awesome. So how can people connect with you online and find out more about working with you? Sure. Um, Anyone can find me at teampodcast.com. That's my company's team podcast. And there's a place in there where you can schedule a call with me. Um, If you have a podcast idea, um, I try not to start any podcasts that we don't think we can get a positive ROI on as far as your business goes. Um, I'm done with that. And that comes from I had a client that I worked with four years one time and we rebranded her podcast two or three times. She finally got to the point where she was getting 10,000 downloads a month. And I saw her at a mastermind meeting and she said, you're going to kill me. I'm like, why? And she said, I'm going to stop podcasting. And I'm like, why are you going to stop podcasting? You, you know, this is what you've worked for all four years that you've been doing this. And she said, well, Christy, I'm still not making any money. And it was in that moment that I realized as her support team and her production company, that I had actually made more money off her podcast than she did. And that felt so horrible to me. I felt like someone had punched me in the face and I was like, I never want to be in that situation again. So it makes you feel sad too, because you're like, Oh gosh, you could have just done a few little things. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And, and again, she was one that had some money blocks and things like that, but it was just, you know, it was like, it, it was, it was what was the catalyst for me diving deep in the marketing thing. And that happened about five years ago. And so anyone, if you have an idea, if you've got a podcast that you know you want to launch it, and if you just need to talk to somebody about it, you can do a schedule a free call on the website, teampodcast.com. Paula can also connect you um, to me if you're in touch with Paula. She'll be happy to do that. Give you my email. I'll put a link in the and, show notes um, too, so that yeah, people will absolutely. know that they came and, from the show. Yeah. And anything, I think, you know, a lot of people that are in your 
realm with their business, a lot of them have been getting feedback from their people that they want to have a, they want them to have a podcast or they know they need to start a podcast. And so if you just kind of have it buzzing in the back of your mind and you just need to sort, sort of verbalize it or get someone to say, yay or nay, this is a good idea or a bad idea, then that would be a good, good way to connect with me. Well, thank you so much, Christy. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you and see and just say congratulations on all your business success because I know you've had an amazing year and you've uh, you've done all the things right. So congratulations oh, you. to you. Yeah. And I just am so grateful to you all for supporting me, really. Like this podcast wouldn't exist without our collaboration. So thank you so much. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you're a uh, um, low maintenance as far as that goes. You can tell you to do a couple things and you come back three days later, like I've done them all. So that's, uh, that's easy. <laughs> make it easy to work with. So <laughs> yeah, well, this is one of my favorite things about how I market as my podcast. So it's it's very, it's a joy project. And I think that's like, that's important that people actually like this medium. They, they, you know, they listen to this medium and then they want to create because of that joy. And I think so many people, even if they don't have a successful podcast, they're like, but I love doing it. And the thing is, love mm-hmm. doing it and let it be an integral part of your business. And we can make those things line up so you can use your voice in a different way and attract those people that really, you know, need your help and that you work with the best. And so that's what a podcast will do yeah. for you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma, from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode.